Hello, this is Tim Conboy, the pastor of New Life Community Church located in Nashville, Indiana. I'd like to thank you for visiting our podcast, and I trust that God will just bless you and encourage you and speak to your heart as you listen to this message. Thank you again for joining us, and God bless you. Amen. What a blessing and an honor to know that God uses our people here around the world to reach folks and be part of a project like there in Senegal. Let's give it up and appreciation for Marcia. <clears throat> Amen. That's awesome. That is awesome. And let's give it up that she already preached the sermon so we can leave now. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't even be seated, please. <clears throat> we're going to be in Acts chapter 12. We're going to be just, just quickly, we're going <clears> to, <throat> excuse me, just look through a portion of Scripture. As a matter of fact, the, the message entitled From Failure to Faithful, matter of fact, in your bulletins, uh, you'll see one text that says Philippians. It's really not Philippians, it's Philemon. I just wrote Phil, and so it was my fault when I turned it in, because it could have been Philippians, could have been Philemon, but it's Philemon, so because there's no chapter attached to it. But anyways, we're going to pick it up. Father, just bless your time as we just look over your word and look over this man's life and just apply what you want the Spirit of God to say to us. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to pick it up in verse 25 of chapter 12. Remember, this is after Peter was released from prison, we, we, and the Passover is now over. Verse 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Remember their ministry? The church at Antioch, 300 miles north, gave them monies to bring down to Jerusalem because they were in a famine. And so they came down, brought the money, stayed for Passover, and they're now returning. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, this is North Africa, Manaen, uh, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work of which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So that being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Lucius and from there sailed to Cyprus. Remember, Cyprus is just off the coast. It's an island just in the Mediterranean. And when they had arrived at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. As we look at this text, I've just I mentioned from failure to faithful, because rather than delve into the narrative of the text and what's going on in Antioch, I wanted to take a, just a brief moment on a character study. In other words, what this person looked like. What was this person's character? And I'm not talking about Barnabas, I'm not talking about Paul or Simeon or the others. I'm talking about one who's known as John Mark. Sometimes John, oftentimes referred to as Mark. As a matter of fact, when we see his name first come up, it was uh, 12 verses ago in chapter 12, verse 12, 
Remember, Mary was having a prayer meeting at her house that Peter would be released from prison. And it says, Mary, who had the prayer meeting, Mary, the mother of John, whose surname is Mark. So it's the first introduction uh, to John Mark was his mother's house having the prayer meeting. And when we look at John, his name Mark is a Latin name. So he'll go by Mark most of the time because he'll be ministering amongst non-Jewish people, and so they'll use his Latin name Marcus. However, his Hebrew name was John, and so he's sometimes referred to as John. That's why when we see here in our text, he says they took also John as their assistant. This is really John Mark. Other times, like I said, you'll see him simply as Mark. Now, when I looked at this text and this man, I said, why do a character study on John Mark? I mean, how much do we really know about John Mark? Probably not much. But when I think of the people in our text, I think of the Apostle Peter, or excuse me, Paul. Paul comes on the scene. I mean, he was a bad guy before he gets saved. And then he gives his life to Jesus. He gets saved. And then he soars across a page of history like this burning meteor just flying across. Like, man, this, this guy is nonstop, high-octane servant of God. And then we also see guys like Barnabas or Luke. Instead of that, that burning meteor, they're steady and they're consistent. And they're just faithfully chugging along through life. To me, they're, they're more like the ocean liner steaming across the Atlantic. They just, they just keep going, and, and across they go. But when we look at these men, sometimes we don't always relate to someone who's on fire like Paul, just burning through life. Sometimes it's hard to see guys like Barnabas and Luke who are just consistent and faithful and steady and just stay at it. I think more times than not, we might relate to someone like John Mark. You see, John Mark, he had a struggle getting his footing in the beginning. He struggled early on in his Christian life. To me, he's, he's not like the meteor or the ocean liner. To me, he's, he's like the chainsaw that doesn't want to start. You know what I'm talking about? And you go, bah, bah, bah. They, they even made the cords now so they're not as hard to pull because they know you're going to do it a lot. So you're... you're uh, 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 and, and all of a sudden you smile and it roars to life. You're like, yeah! <laughs> okay, you know what I'm talking about. And then you just, uh, 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 and on it goes. And finally, it roars to life and does the job that you want it to do, or you go buy another one. <laughs> I've gone through a few of them. You ever had trouble starting your engine? You ever had trouble keeping it started? <laughs> when I think of it, sometimes the best way to fix it is to choke it. <laughs> Push the choke. <laughs> John had trouble. As a matter of fact, when we look at our text, it begins, and I'm just, I'm just going to cruise through this, so follow with me quickly. You remember... Paul and Barnabas had a mission from Antioch down to Jerusalem to bring finances to those who were going through a famine. They go down and they finish their ministry. When they were finished with their ministry and Passover is over, they offer to John, Mark, or to Mark, they offer him this great opportunity. And this opportunity is to join them as they return to Antioch. And when we look at this, that's why 
we saw that they say, and they took with them John Mark, or John whose surname is Mark, verse 25. And I look at it and I say, well, why did they take John Mark with them? Now, we'll see later in the text, but in Colossians 4.10, which we'll get to, you find out that John Mark is actually Barnabas' cousin. So it stands to reason he takes his cousin with him. He says, hey, you want to go? Sure, hey, come on. And so off he goes to Antioch. So they set, set off to head up to Antioch on this great adventure. However, what strikes me when I come to chapter 13, that nothing is said about John Mark. You, you're introduced to people that we know. We know Barnabas. We know Paul. Uh, we don't know <coughs> Simeon. Uh, we also don't know the one who is called Niger. Uh, we don't know this other gentleman, Lucius. They're very obscure. But so isn't it interesting? He goes through and he tells us about these people that are working and ministering and serving in the church in Antioch, but there's no mention of, of Mark doing anything. Until now it's time for Paul and Barnabas to get sent off on their first missionary journey. And so here when they get ready to be sent off by the church on a missionary journey, all of a sudden, verse 5, John Mark surfaces again. And he comes on the scene and it simply says at the end of verse 5, they also had John as their assistant. So now this is no longer simply an adventure for John. This wasn't just Mark leaving Jerusalem, leaving mom and heading to Antioch on his great adventure. And now he has an opportunity. Now he has an opportunity to go as their assistant. What does that mean? It means that he had work to do. They had jobs for John to do or Mark to do. And they said, listen, will you come and assist us? You have ministry responsibilities. This is a volunteer ministry. He volunteered. He said, sure, he would go. He wasn't drafted into it. He was asked. And he took it. So what we learned, first of all, as the assistant, he had work to do. Secondly, Paul and Barnabas were counting on him to do that work with them. Thirdly, he was to help the ministry move forward. So he was there as an assistant to help the overall gospel ministry to go forth in Cyprus and later up into Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. So now he goes through this adventure, now for this great opportunity to work alongside Paul and Barnabas. What a great opportunity. You could come as our assistant. But something happened. The engine roared to life. And then we pick it up in verse 13. They're now at Cyprus and it says, When Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Pergamum and Pamphylia. And John departed from them and returned to Jerusalem. So get the picture here. They're in Antioch. They asked John to come alongside. We need you. It's a responsible job as assistant. And he set sail with them over to, to Cyprus. And when they, they'll land at Cyprus at Salamis, and then they go to, on the east side, they go to the west side of Cyprus, and then from there sail to Pamphylia. Maps for coming. You'll see them later. So I just want you to see that they, they go to the island. And remember, in chapter 5 you learn Barnabas was from Cyprus. So here they're going to see relatives. John Mark's going to see relatives of his. There's people he hasn't seen in who knows how long. So he's familiar territory. 
But as soon as they leave the familiar territory and head to Pamphylia up into modern-day Turkey, Mark gets another idea. He says, you know what? I'm not going. As a matter of fact, I'm going home. And Scripture says that he departed from them and went to Jerusalem. What happened? Was there an emergency at home? Was his mother uh, Mary who was there in Jerusalem, was there something wrong with her? Did he have to go back and help? Apparently not. Apparently what took place was not a good thing. As a matter of fact, the word depart here, and we'll also see in chapter 15, the word, word depart is the word apostate. Now, when we think of an apostate as someone that, that leaves the doctrines of the faith, he was not apostate from Christ. He was apostate from his duties. He didn't forsake Jesus. He forsook his duties, his responsibilities, his commitment, his obligations that he voluntarily took upon him. So when we look at this, I'm sure that if you could think of a young man's mind and why he wants to head back home, I can almost guarantee in his mind he had a good excuse. In his mind, he had a good reason for going home. In his mind, that there was something pressing and, and he, just, he just had to leave. We don't know if he was afraid. We don't know if he was homesick. We don't know if he was disillusioned. We don't know if he felt overworked or underappreciated. We don't know what the reason was. But in his mind, it was a good excuse. But in the rest of the ministry's mind, the ministry team that was depending on him, it was not a good thing. It was irresponsibility. It was a faulty character. As a matter of fact, in chapter 15, if we fast forward to chapter 15 of Acts, we see that he goes from this great opportunity, we read about a great dispute. In chapter 15, in verse 35, here's what happened. Paul and, Paul and Barnabas went on their missionary journey up through Asia Minor and returned to Antioch. Remember, Mark went down to Jerusalem, was there at Jerusalem, but then somehow made his way back up into Antioch. Verse 35, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch. So they now returned from their first trip. Teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. No mention of John participating or Mark. Then, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. So Paul says, hey, you know what? Let's go back now and see these cities, see how the believers are doing, see if we can help them. Verse 37, now Barnabas was determined. That means he said it in his mind to take with them John called Mark. So Barnabas, the cousin, says, you know what? We are taking Mark with us. That's all there is to it. We're taking him with us. Paul, on the other hand, verse 38, insisted that they should not take with them the one who had apostated, who departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. The contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Remember his home area. 
And that's the way the mission trip first started. But Paul chose Silas and departed. By the way, Paul will not return to Cyprus by sail. He will go over land up into southern Turkey or Asia Minor. He won't even go the same direction that they started their first trip. He'll go a totally different direction. And so he will, he will head another direction. And being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, uh, and he went through Syria and Cilicia straight to the churches. When we look at this text, we realize that this egregious act by Mark, whatever it was he did, it stung and hurt so bad that months later, years later, now that they're back at Antioch ministering again, and John, or Mark, I'll call him John Mark. You know what I'm talking about, right? Is it John or is it Mark? Yes. This will be the last time it'll be, now you see he's referred to as John Mark, and not John whose surname is, and later it's just going to be Mark. But the point is, his failure to follow through and his abandonment caused an argument between Paul and Barnabas, these close friends, that was so contentious that these close friends now part company and go their separate ways. Literally and physically went separate ways. One sailed to Cyprus, the original direction, and the other one went the opposite direction. Some feel that Barnabas was being too easy on John Mark because it was his cousin. Other people feel that Paul was being a hard nose and not giving him a second chance. But if you lay all that aside and not try to figure that out, there are still some universal truths here to learn. And a universal truth that people need to learn, and sometimes we often forget it, especially when we're starting out. When we're starting out in life, or starting out in the workplace, or starting out in a responsibility. Your actions, your choices, do affect other people. We think that they don't, but they do. Especially when we shirk our responsibilities, or especially when we bail when people are counting on us for ministry or whatever it might be. You see, we think, well, it's my life. I can do what I want. It doesn't affect anyone else. Let me tell you something. Not one of us is an island unto ourselves. Your life and your actions and my life and my actions affect other people and they affect them for positive or they affect them for negative. It's either a good effect that we have or it becomes a bad effect. But your actions and my actions, they affect other people. And when I'm irresponsible, that means someone else has to pick up my responsibility. When I bail, that means someone else has to fill the slot. When, when we are not doing what God has called us to do or put, us in, put in our hands to do, that means that either it goes undone or someone else has to pick up the slack. Or just in life in general. I don't know how many young people, they go out and they get into things that they ought not to be into. And it's not just young people, trust me. There's plenty of us older people. Am I older? Yes. I got my first discount the other day. (laughs) They raised the discount limit to 60. And now I'm like, man. But yeah, so I was at a national park. 55 is still good. It's like, 
I saved $2 on the ticket. But the point is that we, we affect people. And whether young or old, we make choices. We think it doesn't bother anybody else. Young people, you, you make choices. Let me tell you something. It, it bothers your parents. I may be 55 when a daughter is 35. But when things go on in her life, you know what? I'm still the parent and it still hurts. It still affects you. And, and, and I'm not just speaking of my daughter, but I mean, just, just things she's going through, just health issues. I mean, it hurts me. You, you've seen the pain it brings me. You know, when we, we have uh, kids or family members in the drug scene and they say, well, it doesn't affect them. It's my life. I can do what I want. Well, it does affect others. It affects you. It affects your parents. It affects your kids. It affects your work. It affects everything. Don't think that you are an island to yourself and doesn't affect anyone. John, Mark, he bailed. And that created an argument between two very close friends. And they parted company. And by the way, this will be the last time here in chapter 15 you'll read about Barnabas in the entire rest of the book of Acts. You will not read about him again. You will not see John Mark mentioned. You won't see Barnabas mentioned the whole rest of the trip. He'll, be, he'll surface in other areas and other books, but this is it for Acts. You know, when it comes to responsibility, it's amazing. Even talking to employers, I find the employers say the biggest struggle they have is to get their employees to show up to work. He said it's been a growing trend. Just to show up. Just to be there. Or when they say, hey, can you work this Saturday? Yes. And, and, and they all committed to work that particular Saturday. And somebody is telling me out of four people that committed to work that Saturday, only one showed up. You think I put an extra burden on that one? <laughs> you think the other three probably had great excuses, didn't they? I don't know what happened to the American work ethic, but it is diminishing. The Bible says, he who is faithful in little will be trusted with much. Scripture says, to whom much is given, much is expected. And it is a shame that such a rift between two very close friends took place. So Barnabas goes one way, and Saul goes the other. However, praise God for His grace. Amen? You see, it's not the fall that defines our character. It's whether you get up. It's not the fall that defines our character. It's whether you get up. You see, the Scripture says, though a just man fall seven times, yet he'll get up. Why? Because he's a just man. He said, the, the character is not that you fell and that defines you. You're a failure. You fell. You've forsaken. You've fled. Whatever it is. That's not what defines you. What will define our character is will we get back up and will we move forward? And even more importantly, will we learn from our failure? They say, what is the definition? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Will we learn from our mistakes? Well, praise the Lord that Mark's failure, his fleeing, did not define his character. 
Because though it put a rift between two friends, praise God that the Lord can work in all of these situations. We're, we're just going to jump through other scriptures real quick. I want you to see not just the great dispute or the great opportunity, but the great recovery. The great recovery. You see, there was nothing more said about Barnabas in Acts or John, Mark. Uh, however, Paul brings him up again. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 10. If I can find it here. In Colossians 4, 10, the Apostle Paul is in prison. Years have gone by. He's under house arrest in Rome. And while he's in prison, he writes, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions, if he comes to you, welcome him. So Paul, the one they thought the hard nose, the one they said, man, he wouldn't give him a second chance. Now Paul is now recommending to the people at Colossae. He says, listen, I, I, when John Mark, when Mark gets to you, take care of him, welcome him. I put my name behind this guy. I thought he failed you, Paul. I thought he fled the scene. I thought he abandoned. I thought he was an apostate. He goes, my name is behind him and I encourage you. Welcome him. Then he writes to Philemon. Again, he's writing from prison. His first imprisonment. And he writes in verse 22. But meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me. Paul expected to be out of prison. For I trust that through your prayers... I shall be granted to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. As do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, Luke, my fellow laborers. So he recommends him to the church at Colossae. He writes a letter to the people at Philemon's house. And he writes to Philemon and he says, you know what? I consider Mark a fellow laborer. One who's comes right alongside and works with me. Here in this imprisonment, he says, I'm here. He says, Aristarchus is here. Demas is here. And Luke is here. He said, they're my fellow laborers. Interesting. Years go by. Now he is on death row, his last imprisonment, and Paul is about to be executed. He's sitting in a dungeon, ready any day to be executed. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, he mentions Mark again. He also mentions Demas, verse 10. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescent to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark. And bring him with you, Timothy, for he is useful to me for ministry. Years have gone by. Paul's in a dungeon, a death row. And he personally asks, will you bring Mark when you come, Timothy? When you come here, he goes, bring him. He's useful to me. Now Paul wants him personally by his side. Paul wants him to be there with him. Paul wants his encouragement. Paul, Paul says, I need that guy. You know, this tells me a lot about John Mark's character. 
It tells me, first of all, whatever it was that caused his failure to begin with, he conquered it. Whatever it was that caused him to fall or to flee, he got over it. He didn't let that keep him down. Sometimes we fall on our face and we stay on our face. And we let that define us. And we let that determine our destiny. And we say, I can't do anything for God. Mark says, no. He got back up. He conquered that which led to his fall. Secondly, he mastered self-discipline. Now he can be counted on. Now Paul says, man, I can count on this guy. If he comes to you, man, receive him. You're going to want this guy in your church. You're going to want this guy in your house, Philemon. You're going to want him to come alongside. He, he mastered self-discipline. He said, you can count on this one who once could not be counted on. What a great thing. To be someone who couldn't be counted on at one time, now to be counted on and trusted and looked to. And he says, he, bring him with me because he's profitable. You know what it also tells me about Mark? His character. He doesn't hold a grudge. He wasn't mad at Paul for getting in the argument. He wasn't mad because Paul didn't want him to go on the first trip. Maybe he didn't prove himself. That's why you'll read in Timothy when he speaks of ministry, he says, not a novice, lest they be puffed up. There's a time of proving. We test drive cars. We want to see, is this the right one? Whatever it was, he didn't hold a grudge towards Paul. He didn't have hard feelings about Paul. He went to him in a first imprisonment, and he's going to go to him in a second imprisonment. You know, I talked to somebody once. I said, you know, you really need to do something about those hard feelings you have towards that person. And he said, I don't have hard feelings towards them. I have hurt feelings. There's a difference, you know. My bad. Here's the only difference. It's the order by which they come. You'll get hurt feelings, and they'll become hard feelings. And if you say, I don't have hard feelings, I only got hurt feelings, if you don't take care of those hurt feelings when someone hurts you, you will have hard feelings towards that someone. All right? And some have not dealt with hurt feelings all these years, and they got hard feelings to this day. Man, what a testimony that Mark, he, didn't, he may have had hurt feelings that Paul didn't want the first time, but he dealt with it, and he didn't have hard feelings towards Paul. And lastly, he who was rejected was now recommended. And I think the greatest tribute is not simply these things that Paul says about Mark. But I think one of the greatest tributes is found in an introduction to one of the Gospels. And it says this, the message of Mark's Gospel. Anyone heard of the Gospel of Mark? is captured, the message is captured in a single verse. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to, excuse me, did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Mark 10, verse 45. Chapter by chapter, the book unfolds the dual focus of Christ's life. Service and sacrifice. The ancient title of this book was Keta Markon, according to Mark. The author is best known by his Latin name Marcus, 
But in Jewish circles, he was called by his Hebrew name, John. Acts 12, 12 and verse 25 refer to him as John, whose surname is Mark. And I said, wow. Here's a guy that fell on his face, that forsook his duties, that was irresponsible, that caused a rift between these, these two friends. He, was, he did everything to mess up in the beginning. But he learned. And he grew. And he wrote about Jesus' life and focused on his service and his sacrifice. What that tells me is that Mark worked on his character He worked on his responsibility and he worked on his servant attitude. Not to be more like Barnabas, nor did he do it to impress Paul that he could do it. But he did it to be more like Jesus Christ, who came not to be served, but to serve. You see, I look at that and I say, man, there's a lesson to be learned there. Because I don't know about you, as much as I might like to be like Paul and be that burning meteor through history, or just be like Luke and Barnabas, just steady, steady, steady as they go, sometimes I find myself more like John Mark. Failure, mess up, irresponsible, things I should do, I don't do, things I shouldn't do, that I find I do. Oh, I'm sorry, I was quoting Paul on that one. (laughs) But praise God for His grace, because you know what? He that began a good work in you promised you He will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so this guy that forsook him as a young man later pens the Gospel of Mark and says, let me tell you what it's like to serve. Are you a server of Jesus Christ? Can you be counted on? Are you dependable? Where are you at in your journey? Are you bailing when others are counting on you? Or are you one that now is recommended, said, man, that's the one. That's the one you need right there. I don't know about you. I don't want to be the one that's uh, bailing. I want to be the one that's recommended. So yeah, takes character like John Mark had. Father, thank you. Thank you for just this brief overview of Mark's life. He has some challenges, but by your grace, you overcame them. Thank you for your grace. Lord, you are gracious to us, not because we deserve. We're like John Mark. We bail, we forsake, we we do things that, that, that hurt others. But you're faithful to us, Lord. And your promises are yea and amen. And you promise that he that began a good work in us will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it is God that works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. Lord, you promise to conform us, not to each other, but to conform us to Jesus. Give us that servant attitude. Give us that self-sacrificing attitude. And if we fall, help us to get up, dust off, and keep pressing on for Jesus. And we all pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we close. Gabe's just going to strum a couple tunes but rather than having the ministry team come now if you need prayer you just come after just gonna just he's gonna play some background music or just gonna close in prayer and uh, like i said if you need prayer you just come some folks will be here to pray for you
Father, as we go our way today, thank you for putting people like John Mark in Scripture. If all we saw were Barnabas, or all we saw were Luke, or all we saw were Paul, we would feel so worthless. We would feel like we couldn't do it. But what great encouragement we see John Mark to know that it's not that we can do it, but that you can do it through us. We love you and we bless you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You're dismissed, ministry team. If there's a few folks need prayer, you come now. Let us pray for you. People will be here. Remember next week, 8.30, 10.30.